I feel so honored today. I get a front row view for the first time, but opposite of all of your beautiful faces. And that's basically the best thing ever. Um, so thank you for being here. I'm so excited to share what's on my heart. So as Thurt said, um, I work here at the Inn and I've come to love it. I would say when I first got here, there was a bit of transition, making this place feel like home. Um, but there have been several places where I've loved what I get to do here. I'm going to do two of the things that I love the most, connecting people together and introducing new ideas. And I think I experienced that here on Tuesday nights, meeting new people at Catalyst, talking about new things, um, seeing people come out to different events and try new things. And thank you for doing that. And so as Thurt mentioned, um, I also am the house manager at the International Friendship House. And this is a community, um, the IFH, that I've been a part of since I was a student. Um, and at the IFH, I experienced a lot of those things that um, Thurt was mentioning before of where we are moving. Um, again, I would love to invite all of you to come check it out on a Tuesday night at 6.30. We're two houses to the right of the trailer, so kind of mirroring opposite the lighthouse direction. Um, and every night, every Tuesday night at 6.30, we have a great dinner. We'd love to have you. Last week, as we know, it was Valentine's Day, and we threw a Valentine's Day party. So let's throw, throw up some pictures from that. Um, I want to mention, um, if you have no significant other, that is no problem, because these day, Valentine's Day is also Galentine's Day, and it's also Palentine's Day. I was like, why don't we continue the trend and add an M in front of it? We can make it Malentine's Day for all the guys. Um, how about for the Californians? Calentine's Day? I don't know. <laughs> Just keep it going, you know, inclusivity, it is important. Um, and I want to throw up another picture of my Valentine. So, uh, <laughs> so this is Garrett. Um, he is wonderful. And um, we've been dating for 10 months now. Um, but before that happened, our friendship was a little bit different. So let's throw up another photo. This is a group photo of us. If you can't tell, I'm wearing white, he's wearing black. And then let's uh, zoom in on that space in between us. So let's throw out some ideas. What do you think can fit in there? I feel like we could fit in a puppy. Yeah, maybe three Bibles back to back. Um, I, this is the zone that I think we call the friend zone. Um, and that is what happened at, that is what happened at the beginning, but do not lose hope because clearly that is not what happened at the end. So. Let's fast forward some more of our story um, to the day that we like to call the 411. Um, this was April 11th. That was the day that Garrett asked me out. Um, and at that time, last year, April 11th, I was actually living in New York City. So yeah, New York City. After I graduated um, here from UW, I moved out to NYC and lived there for 11 months, um, really kind of exploring some passions I had um, in sustainable fashion there. Um, and near the end of that time, I started feeling like God was calling me back to Seattle. Um, and so I started taking some trips back to Seattle to kind of discern for God's voice. And it was on one of these visits back. Um, it was Tuesday, April 11th. Um, of course, you would find me at Tuesday dinner. There I was. Um, but instead of really mingling and being present with all the people I was meeting that night, there was something in the back of my mind. And that was that the night before, Garrett had asked me to go on a walk after Tuesday dinner. So we're kind of both thinking about that. Um, 
the end of Tuesday dinner rolls around and we grab our jackets, pretty cold outside. Um, and some of our mutual friends who knew what was happening gave us a little eyebrow raise as we leave. Um, and he ended up taking me to Full Tilt. We got some ice cream. Yeah, great, great place to go. That's great spot to start out. Um, and then we walked to Drumheller Fountain. Um, that's where he asked me out. Um, yeah, <laughs> and we were in that place in our relationship where literally my response word for word was, I would be delighted to date you. <laughs> and so that's how we began. Um, and I was honestly delighted, and there are several reasons. Um, Garrett is someone who, as our friendship developed, I found that um, he truly wanted to be my friend. Um, he was persistent um, with me in our friendship, but he was also very patient. He was never pushy. Um, he also made everyone around him feel really happy all the time. He just knew how to care for people. Um, and on top of that, um, he really went out of his way um, to dive deep into other people's cultures. He has learned several other languages, and through that, he's been able to um, love on other people um, in their um, own language. And so I love those things. And so um, after he asked me out, it wasn't, it, it was, once that minute hit, it was like, okay, so now we are more than friends. Like, do I hold your hand now? Like, can I touch you? That's just weird. We've just been friends. Like, I don't know. Um, and believe it or not, less than 12 hours later, I was back on a pl plane flying back to New York City. So our first month together was long distance. Um, and that um, actually leads me to an Instagram post. So we're going to throw that up there. Um, and I would now actually like to bring up Garrett, who's the person mentioned in this post. So... Why don't you come up? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a great, I'm a big fan, big fan. <laughs> big fan, thanks. <laughs> there was going to be a table and it was going to like seem a little bit more like a show, but there's no table, so yeah. it's less, less funny. Um, it, so. <laughs> nice to see you guys, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, if you can't tell from the picture, there's a bear in the coffee cup and funny story about that. Um, I have a five, six nieces and nephews, and the ones that can talk call me Bear Bear, because um, my name was hard to pronounce for you little kids, so I know, so cute. Uh, so they call me Bear Bear, and um, as Joyce was saying, that past that, we're past that now. As Joyce was saying in our um, first month, um, we were long distance, and um, actually it was really helpful because both of us, this is our first relationship, um, as a serious relationship, um, everyone's like, what? Just kidding. No. Um, <laughs> But first relationship, it was really great um, to have that period at the beginning, um, that month of just being able to talk about um, things that we couldn't talk about when we were in a relationship or as just friends, um, and then just being able to talk about serious things. And the picture also is, it's talking about a, co a coffee date. And we, that day, like um, about a month later after we started dating, um, we had a conversation that was um, about topics that we thought were important in our relationship and um, that we wanted to work through um, before we were in the same space and um, seeing each other where it's gonna be harder to do. So Joyce actually found a really cool way to um, be vulnerable about specific topics where it's hard to share and um, not influencing each other um, in our answers before um, we have a chance to talk about it. So Joyce, would you like to kind of share um, your idea and um, like how that worked? 
Yeah, definitely. So um, if anyone else is a fan of Brene Brown here, um, Brene Brown is an amazing researcher, um, and she does um, a bunch of research on human interaction. And out of all the research that she's done, she has found that vulnerability is the one piece um, that is the core and the most important thing to meaningful human connection. And so going into this conversation with Garrett, I was like, okay, we've been dating for a month, and in a few days, I'm flying back to Seattle for the first time to see him. Um, obviously, the big question is going to be on, we've connected so far this much, but I've never actually answered the question of, like, can I touch you now? What does that mean? <laughs> and so, um, for lack of better words, this is a pun, but it's a touchy subject to talk about this. Um, and I was also aware of another thing, which is that um, at the beginning of a relationship, um, even if you're already a people pleaser, you're gonna be even more of a people pleaser at the very beginning of a relationship. So in this kind of conversation we're talking about something that's difficult to talk about, it would be very easy to default to the other person's answer. And so as we went into this hard conversation, um, we found a way to, first of all, um, put out all the questions that we had for the other person. So we kind of gathered a list of questions that I had for him, he had for me, and we both had to answer those questions. Um, and then we answered the questions on our own, and then we talked about it. And one really interesting question, for example, was expectations on the first kiss. Um, surprisingly, we had actually really different answers. And if we hadn't had this conversation set up in this way, it would be very easy for one of us to get embarrassed and like, ooh, my answer is really different and I don't want to share it. Or maybe I didn't even think of my answer and I'm just going to default um, to what the other person said. Um, and this is super important because when we move into relationships, especially dating relationships, um, where it is a temporary place, um, it's important that you, in your relationship, you grow to know the other person better, but you also grow to know yourself better. And if we're defaulting to another person's answer, um, we're also losing um, who we are. And that can be a dangerous place to be, um, whether or not you make it to marriage. If you don't know who you are, um, that, that's just a dangerous place to be. Um, and so another thing that I was aware of is that we don't want to be half vulnerable. I would almost say that being partially vulnerable is worse than not being vulnerable at all because then we put the other person in a situation where they think they know the full truth um, and then when we find out it wasn't the full truth, there's going to be greater pain um, in that. So do you want to talk about a situation where that kind of happened? Yeah, definitely. Um, so as Joyce was saying, like if you're vulnerable in a specific place, it's kind of easy to use that as an excuse. Like, hey, I told you this thing about me. Like, now I'm good, right? Like, you, I'm sharing with you. I'm vulnerable. But that's not if that's not all that you have um, that you're that you're harboring that you're hiding. Then it's not actually vulnerability. You're just using it as a way to maybe like keep them at ease or or something during the time. So we both found that it was very um, important that we share things that we're struggling with and um, things that we expect for the future. And one area that I've struggled with um, for a long time, and I'm sure some people can relate, is with pornography. And it's kind of a taboo in a lot of, um, a lot of circles because um, people don't want to talk about it. And um, honestly, people view it like as a private issue. But um, there is no private sin. Like every sin that we commit is affecting God, affecting ourselves, which then affects other people. And it, just having these things that we're hiding away from people is um, creating distance, even if we don't tell them um, like about it. Like you can still feel the distance between you. So it was 
Um, like I've been in men's groups all of my life, like not my life, but like throughout life, and um, I've had people there to um, keep me accountable in different ways. Um, but like you know, groups come and go. Like there's times where you're not always, um, you don't always have people there that hold you accountable in different areas in your life. And um, in some ways, you're always, you might be thinking like, oh, I can do this on my own, or I'll bring it up when I'm in a good place. But that is not generally a good way to go about things. Like um, that usually just ends up being a recurring cycle. So I knew this was something that I wanted to bring Joyce into in my life and um, be open with her and say like, this is something that I struggle with, and like, I want you to know that, and um, I want your help with that, and. Um, and I knew going into this that this would hurt her and um, because this very much affects her and like maybe her self-image or um, like insecurity and um, just doubts and like obviously it's a hurtful thing to hear. Um, but it's something that a lot of people struggle with and um, it's something that we don't really talk about a lot and maybe there are other sins that you find that are difficult to talk about and you would be embarrassed to share. But I would encourage you to Find people that you're comfortable sharing with and um, really seek out those relationships um, other than just superficial relationships. Because for me, I, I already gave, in my mind, I thought Joyce would respond in a certain way, but actually she was much more gracious than I could ever imagine. And it was so um, helpful being able to share these things um, with her. And actually, we ended up, I had so much more respect and love for her as a result of being able to share these things and seeing her support me in this way. And um, I think it even grew us closer, which is something that you would think would drive someone away. You're like, I don't want to hear that you have that problem. Um, but the way that she was able to um, love me in that and encourage me, it was really great. And it leads me to another point that when you find people to hold you accountable in certain ways, don't find people who will just like, keep you accountable on the negative side. Like if you mess up, like they'll say like, oh, like whatever, like um, they'll just keep you accountable on the, pot, on the negative side. But find somebody who will rejoice when you are doing well in something and that um, you're actually like having a relationship with this person because it makes so much more meaningful when you're overcoming sins and when you're making progress and you're able to share that joy together um, rather than only sharing the negative times and only be focusing on the negative and then it just leads to more um, repeating of the same thing. So I would encourage you to find people within your communities that are also looking for the same thing, that looking for vulnerability and um, being able to share and actually share and not just share part of the story because that's the kind of relationships that um, really matter and um, that can cause real growth. So I was really um, impressed by the way that Joyce responded. And Joyce, do you kind of want to share about your thoughts about me sharing this and yeah. your response. I'd love to. Yeah. I still remember that day and I just remember when Garrett shared that with me, my immediate response was, wow, that's, that takes a lot of courage <laughs> to say that to me. And so my first response was just, thank you for being so honest. Um, because I, um, that hasn't been something I've struggled with, but I've struggled with other things, other kinds of sins. And I remember times in my life where I've opened up to other people um, and they've shown so much grace towards me and accountability. Um, and that was really where I was coming from was their response to me helped me to move forward and I wanted that for you, for him. Um, and so as we walked through this road of um, 
yeah, with once you've shared your struggle and you ask someone to help you in it, what does that look like? So I started understanding more um, how um, an addiction to porn or to lust is something that men and women go through. Um, and it's so easy for it to be prevalent um, because it's everywhere. And as a woman who doesn't struggle with that, I didn't realize that until Garrett opened up to me about this. And then I started noticing how easy it is um, to access, how, how hard it is to stay away um, from seeing these images. Um, and I also started to read um, some articles about um, what porn does to relationships, to us as individuals. Um, and I came upon some um, crazy things I didn't know before. Um, the first is that there um, is kind of this myth um, that, um, that porn does not uh, affect um, the women who are involved in it. Um, the first thing I want to say that, that I found out was that a lot of women who are trapped in this cycle of um, being prostitutes or um, are porn stars, it's not something, first of all, that they wanted and that they actually always get the short end of the stick. Um, so this is an industry that not only degrades women um, and the image we see of them, but actually those people who are caught in it, um, their lives are ruined and they, it's really difficult for them to get out of it. The second thing I um, found out was that um, I think we've sometimes heard the statistic that um, finance is the biggest reason um, for divorces, but actually what we find nowadays is that um, porn is the leading reason that um, whatever the problem is that caused a divorce, oftentimes porn was the first thing that um, got involved in it. Um, it creates distrust, um, it ruins a lot of um, intimacy, not just sexual intimacy, but when trust is broken or intimacy is broken in one way, it affects other areas of intimacy. So I started to learn so much about um, how this um, addiction can really affect not just long-term things, but short-term things um, indirectly and directly. And so that really um, also made me want to support Garrett in that, in, in learning and trying to put myself in his shoes. Um, and so that's one piece of vulnerability that we really wanted to share with you guys. Another piece, um, we're going to try and kind of change gears and go towards a lighter um, direction right now, but that I found that I really appreciated about relationship is vulnerability um, being a place in which we actually help one another to appreciate more, explore more, and be proud of um, each other's cultures. Um, and one way I've seen Garrett do that for me, we'll change the photo, um, is that just this past week, um, we had the Lunar New Year party, um, and it was so fun for all of you guys who came and enjoy that with us. Um, we both actually got a chance to MC that night. Um, I just think about this is something in a place that I've served for a long time, but to now have um, someone else who is interested in my culture serve alongside me, um, my join that has expanded so much more. And on the right side, you'll see us Skyping my grandmother who lives in Shanghai. Um, and it's meant She's a lot to me. By the way. <laughs> she is hilarious. <laughs> She's so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> It <laughs> meant so much to me to get to um, share that relationship and that part of my family um, with Garrett. And so are there any other ways you've seen that for you? Yeah, could you go to the next slide? So on the left here is um, a couple from Japan. And um, even though I'm not Japanese, like a, a part of my family history is that um, my family has about 100 years of history in Japan as like missionaries. And um, this, the couple on the left here... Um, 
they are from their hometown. One of their hometowns is um, where my great grandparents started a school. So it was kind of cool to like see that connection. Like, oh, hey, like I like we have this family history. And um, Joyce and I, I believe this is this is a language exchange. Yes. yes? Okay. <laughs> we um, we went to um, a coffee shop and then um, had a language exchange. So because I have this kind of connection to Japan and like interest in the language, Joyce um, wanted to take up learning Japanese and um, having a conversation with them. Um, it was really cool to see that connection. And, and then my grandma on the right, she spent over 40 years in Japan. I can't remember the exact number, but she spent a long time there. And we went and visited her in eastern Washington um, last summer. And it was really sweet to see. And Joyce initiated that. She's like, I want to meet your grandma. Um, so we went and um, <laughs> hung out with her for a day um, and talked about her stories in Japan. And it was she's really cool. to Yeah, she's, she's crazy. She has like 100, like so many China sets. I don't even know. But yeah, yes. it was really cool to see Joyce China. <laughs> um, encourage me to, to reach back to that part of my history as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your vulnerability tonight and always in relationship. Would you all get a hand, give a hand to Garrett for coming up? Yeah. So last week when Mike started off our series, he had us um, visit um, the story of Adam and Eve. We're going to jump back into that part of scripture, into Genesis. So if you want to turn your eyes to the screens as I read this part from Genesis 3. Then it was as if their eyes were open. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made something to cover themselves. Then they heard the Lord God walking in the garden during the cool part of the day. And the man and his wife hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? The man answered, I heard you walking in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. The Lord God made clothes from animal skins for the man and his wife and dressed them. So here I wanna note a few things. Um, here we see that Adam and Eve um, associated their nakedness with something to hide. Um, not only did they cover their shame, they covered their nakedness with fig leaves, but they also hid their presence from God. Um, and is that familiar to us? Are there times when there are places in our life where we feel shame and we try to hide those specific parts of our history or our personality um, or our life story? Um, and have you ever ex experienced isolating yourself, hiding from other people? I know I definitely have. Um, and the interesting thing here um, is that fig leaves wither. Um, so had God not taken care of Adam and Eve, given them animal skins, um, they would have had to, once the fig leaves wither, they'd have to sew them again, make a new, a new set of clothing. Um, and this is something that I think we do all the time. We spend um, this precious time and resource that God has given us. He's made us whole and beautiful. Um, and yet we spend that time to try to hide certain parts of ourselves. But instead, we see God's response. He does not condemn them. Um, he, he sees them hiding. And instead, he calls out to them. And he also clothes them with animal skins. Um, there's an important note here that these animal skins had to come from animals. What had to happen 
for that to have for that to become clothing. The animals had to die. Um, so we see from the very start of the story, even before the sacrifice of Jesus for us, that God is sacrificing um, so that he can be closer to us. Um, and so I have a question for us all, that if we're made in the image of God, how are we active, ref- actively reflecting the sight of God where he sacrifices? Um, where Do we sacrifice our comfort to be vulnerable um, with the others around us? Um, and this leads me to um, my next story. I I want to introduce one of my friends to you. Um, her name is Franzi Musebeck, and she was an exchange student from Germany that I met while I was in New York City. Um, and I really found an unexpected friendship um, with her. Um, she was actually the person, our first meeting that we had was at this cafe, Bibble and Sip, which was the same cafe that you saw that earlier photo. It obviously became an important place to me while I was in New York. Um, and she was not a Christian, um, but I felt like led and called to, when we met up, when we met up to share my testimony with her um, and share about my personal struggles and mental health. Um, and being vulnerable from my side, she also then became vulnerable. Um, and she shared with me um, a um, interesting like story that she had in her past um, with some with how a friendship formed um, a few months later that same interesting story happened but that version happened in my life um, and what was interesting about that was I felt like God brought Francie into my life because um, when I was in that struggle um, I was able to go directly to her of like oh you've experienced this before um, what, what did you do? Can you help me? Um, and even though I had a great Christian community surrounding me in New York City that also helped me through that time, it was because she had that exact same experience that I was having that we only could have found out if we had become friends and been vulnerable with each other despite our differences, which um, if we had just saw that, we might not have even become friends. Um, and so as our friendship grew, I also went through this really terrible housing scam in New York City. Um, And she was one of the few people that actually lived nearby to me. A lot of my community, church community, was living in Manhattan while I lived in Brooklyn. And so with that friendship, she was also able to help me a lot through that. And I was so thankful. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about um, four areas of vulnerability that I think are really important in friendship. Um, The first is that the action of calling others out and encouragement. Um, I think sometimes we have this fear, especially when we meet someone and our friendships have just begun, like, well, I think I'm weird if I compliment them in this way. We're not even that close yet. Um, But I've actually found that encouragement um, is really important and powerful. Um, And and one thing we saw in the story with Adam and Eve, right? Um, They're hiding themselves and covering their shame with these fig leaves. Um, We still do that to this day. The only difference is I can't tell if you're hiding something. Um, There's not actual fig leaves on you. Um, And obviously I can't tell because you're hiding it. Um, But all the time we are bombarded with these lies that we believe in from Satan. Um, And in response, sometimes we choose to hide. Um, But when someone encourages you, um, even if they don't know that I'm hiding something in a certain way, that encouragement could take the action of totally tearing down that lie so I no longer have to hide anymore. And I think that's the power of encouragement is that whether you know it or not, you could be actually taking away someone's shame. Um, and that's what makes encouragement really powerful. It's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling, but something I think that we're called to in being vulnerable with one another. Um, the second is, of course, vulnerability and sharing our stories openly, sharing our struggles. 
And I think sometimes we find when we share struggles, like I just unleash this whole thing on someone. I don't want to burden them. And sometimes we end our stories with, this happened, but it's fine. We're like, it's, it's okay, I'm going to be okay, don't worry about me. Um, the problem with this statement is that um, when we say that, sometimes we're closing off that opportunity for someone to come into our lives and help us. Oftentimes people want to come into our lives um, when we're vulnerable especially. People want to honor that by, by walking with us in it. But when we say these things like, oh, it's fine, um, and brush that off, oftentimes it closes that door. So I would encourage us to be careful and notice when we're doing that. Um, another way to be vulnerable with another is, of course, to invite each other into our own homes. Um, we do that a lot at the International Friendship House, um, and I, again, invite you to come. We would love to see you there. Um, but our home is a really special place. It's a place that is really personal for us, um, really intimate, um, and it's really powerful, I think, when we choose not only to meet with each other in cafes and public places, um, but also inviting people to see what our homes are like. Um, and lastly, I think it's really important um, in vulnerability in sharing our friendships with others. So inviting your friends to meet your other friends. And sometimes there's this fear of, ooh, but what if my friend becomes better friends with the other friend, and then I'm going to be jealous. Um, but I actually think this is something that's really important, is um, if we are vulnerable with our friends, we want them to share in the joy that we experience with our other friends. And sometimes it's in bringing our friendships together that we actually see sides of people that we wouldn't see um, just you being with them. So those are four areas that I challenge you guys. So calling out encouragement, sharing our struggles op struggles openly, inviting people to our own home and connecting them with our other friends. And so lastly, this last area of vulnerability I want to talk about is really important, and that's vulnerability with God. Um, I think one of the best examples we can find of vulnerability with God is seeing David in the way that he praised and communicated to God. So let's take a look at this, um, mess, the version from the message um, of Psalm 70. And this is um, David crying out saying, God, please hurry to my rescue. God, come quickly to my side. Those who are out to get me, let them fall all over themselves. Those who relish my downfall, send them down a blind alley. Give them a taste of their own medicine, those gossips off plucking their tongues. Let those on the hunt for you sing and celebrate. Let all who love your saving way say over and over, God is mighty. But I've lost it, I'm wasted. And here, I don't think he's talking about being drunk, but maybe it is. he is, I don't know. <laughs> and then he says, God, quickly, quickly, quick to my side, quick to my rescue. God, don't lose a minute. Um, I'm really struck by what David does here. First of all, he acknowledges in the first three verses that he is not in a good place. Um, and he asks God um, to help. But then we find in verse four, um, David is basically acknowledging what he strives to be. He says, um, let those on the hunt for you sing and celebrate. Um, he is on the hunt for God, but he's not, David is not a place right now where he is able to sing and celebrate. Um, he wants to keep saying God is mighty um, and loves God's saving way, but maybe right now he's not in a place where he can say that. So David acknowledges, this is where I want to be and I'm not there right now. And then lastly, um, we see that David earnestly asks for help. Um, this language really struck me when I read it. He says, quick, just, quick to my side, don't lose a minute. Um, 
I don't know about you, but I have not prayed a prayer like this before, asking God to come quickly. Um, and I think this is a really beautiful image of what it looks like to be vulnerable, that in our hardest moments that we seek for God's help like this, instead of hiding or running away, that we ask God to come quickly and to come immediately to our rescue. Um, and this is the interesting thing that I found. Let's go back to that story um, in Genesis. So we, we find that when we're in a hard place, it's really easy to hide from other people. Sometimes we even hide from ourselves. We try to run away. Um, we saw that with Adam and Eve. Um, they um, hide from themselves. They cover up what they think is shameful. Like, I can't see my body anymore. That's gone. I can hide from myself. Um, they hide from others. They hide from God. Um, but actually, when we're hiding from others and we're hiding from ourselves, the first person we're hiding from is God. Um, and the silly thing about that is we cannot hide from God. God is always there. We can't run away. He's always there. Um, and in that place, when we're trying to hide from everyone else, ourselves, and we're really hiding from God, God is saying, I love you. I love you just as much as I do when you're in your proudest moments. I love you the same all the time. And so when we're hiding, that's what God is saying to us. Um, and even though we can't actually hide from God, um, we are putting ourselves in a place where we can no longer hear him. Um, and so another place we really need to cultivate vulnerability is with God and to do that again. Um, and so I want to bring up a quote that I um, heard from Richard Foster's book on prayer. And he says of God, he says, God mourns that we do not draw near to him. He longs for our presence. Have you ever thought about that? That we long so much for intimacy with others. Um, and sometimes we long for intimacy with God. But God longs so much for intimacy with us. Probably more than anyone else, he longs for true, honest, pure intimacy. And that God is longing for our presence. Um, so let's take time to honor God's longing for us and come to him in vulnerability. And so as we end tonight, I just want to remind us all and myself that running away um, is not the answer, um, but sacrifice is. That's what we see in um, how, Adam or how God treated Adam and Eve. Um, he doesn't, uh, he chases them down. He pursues Adam and Eve. Um, and then he also sacrifices for them so that they can become closer um, to him. And that's what vulnerability is. Vulnerability is choosing to sacrifice our comfort or sacrifice something that is hard to say, to invite someone else in so that we can have a closer relationship. Um, so let's form our relationships in the way, um, reflecting the way that God loved Adam and Eve. This looks like not hiding, um, having patience and forgiveness for one another, um, and constantly pursuing. Um, so please join me in prayer. Um, as the end. Dear Lord, um, thank you so much for this opportunity tonight that we had to gather. Thank you for the way that you pursue us and model um, for us what it looks like to be vulnerable in relationship. I pray for greater vulnerability um, in our friendships um, here, that if anywhere, this community, this is the place where we can be safety vulnerable and find the power that vulnerability has to grow us closer to you um, and to one another. Um, God, lead us um, in being more vulnerable with you, being like David, being like you were to Adam and Eve. Um, and thank you so much for tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.